Welcome to the Rise Up in Business podcast. I'm Tracy Myler Crane and I'm your host. I'm a business lawyer, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a mum to two wonderful little people. This podcast is designed to be the business and law podcast for small business owners. Each episode explores different business and legal concepts in a clear and easy to understand way, all delivered in bite-sized chunks that are easy to listen to. You're sure to be able to take little nuggets of gold from each episode and implement them into your business straight away. I'm bringing you these podcast episodes each week with my intention being to share with you what you need to know to feel empowered so you can rise up and take control in your business. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rise Up in Business podcast. Oh, this episode is going to be good. They're all good, but this one in particular. Uh, My guest on today's episode is the very lovely Emma McQueen, who I've had on the podcast before. Emma is an incredible business coach and a friend of mine, and I just love talking with her. Emma, hello. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, we are. This is good. (laughs) This is good. So initially when I invited you on to this episode, we're getting to the end of season five of the podcast and I really wanted to hone in and just talk a little bit about what I'm seeing a lot at the moment, which is women who are reaching around that three years or so mark and they're coming up for breath, taking a pause and deciding now's the time to think about working with a coach. So I want to talk to you a bit about that and and as you know, but also there's something a little more contentious that I want to talk to you about. So we'll save that for a little later on, given what's been happening lately. But first of all, tell us a little bit about how you work with people because people can work with you in a couple of different capacities. And I just want to shine a light on some of the different options that people have when they're considering working with a business coach, especially for the first time. Yeah. First time's always crazy. Hey, I think people have lots of questions about the first time because they're like, what am I looking for? What is it? What's going to work? How's it going to fit? What's it? What does it all mean? What are we going to work on? Is it going to be good for return investment? So many questions. I love one-on-one. Let me start there. I think group group programs are great. I think group programs certainly have their place. What I've noticed and probably what you've noticed about me is even if I have a group program, there's always a one-on-one element. Yes. (laughs) I can't help myself, right? (laughs) So I do one-on-one coaching just People sign up for 12 months. They normally stay for three or four years. So I do that. That's one-on-one. And then I've got Thriving Women Program, which is a group program, but they all get one-on-one coaching time with me because I can't help myself. Even at my go-getter days, Trace, even at my go-getter days, you can get 15 minutes with me one-on-one. I've seen that. I know. But you're one of the few coaches that still really love the one-on-one. There are a couple that I know, but a lot that I know and I've watched over the years have sort of moved away from it into the group coaching only environment. Some that I think do it for the right reasons because they love it, but others just want to scale and it, it becomes all about the money, which is really disappointing. But you, hand on heart, I've watched you for years. You just love the one-on-one coaching. I really do. I think that I like getting intimate with people. You know, like I like, I'm a relater. One of my strengths is about relationships and I want to get deep with you and I want to care about your business and I care about you as a whole person. And that for one-on-one means, you know, tears, we have laughs, but tears and we get results and stuff. And I think you just got to play to your strengths. And I know my strengths are about relationships. And so if someone says, can we just have one session? I'm like, what for? Like, that's just a silver, you want a silver bullet, which I don't have. 
Oh, go you for saying that. Oh, yeah. That's key. That's a light bulb moment right there. There's no silver bullets with this. So, okay, so there's lots of different coaches for lots of different people, different strokes, different folks. We, we all know. When someone's starting to think, though, about working with a business coach, and I'm going to share with you some challenges a bit later, but as a start, when they're starting to think about it, where do they start? What do they do? Yeah, I think most people ask their buddies. Most people ask their business buddies, who do you know, who's out there, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's the first place they start. I think there's a few different things that you need to look for in a business coach when you're having conversations with them. For me, because I'm a relator, I like to have a call. I like to have a call with people, and that, whether that's a Zoom or a phone call. I like to feel their vibe. I like them to feel my vibe. And I like to eyeball them and go, are you prepared to do the work? Because if I'm prepared to do the work to coach you, are you prepared to do the work to get the results? And I think when you're looking for a business coach, yes, you can get referrals. And then it's on you to kind of go, what skills and experience do they have? Can you check them out, do a bit of stalking, et cetera, et cetera? Is it really obvious where you can find them? Who's worked with them before? Can you reach out and ask them who's worked with them? Because there's always clients, referral work and testimonials out there. And so I think there's a few different layers that you go through. I think it's kind of like, do they have the skills to help? Do they have the experience? Have they been there and done that? Do they work with similar clients? And also, am I, as the person who's about to be coached, clear on what I need coaching in? That's a big one is you getting clear. And that can be hard and I accept that. And I speak to people and they go, look, I just don't know yet. Yes. And that's fine too. I had a clarity call with someone yesterday and I'm like, so why did you reach out? And she's like, oh, I noticed that you were coaching such and such and such and such. And I just thought that maybe you could help me with my business and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but what, what is it that you want? What result do you want? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, by the end of the phone call, we've realized actually she doesn't need a coach. She needs a psych and she needs some more tailored support to help her with her life. And it is not a coach. And I was more than happy to get to that. And she was like, this has just been so enlightening. Thank you so much. I'm like, I don't want you working with me if that's not the right place to work. But I don't know a lot of coaches that would do that, right? Because I want them to get super clear on what it is they want and where they're going to spend their money. Just listening to you, this is just one of the things that sets you apart because I know coaches who would have signed her up. Something you said a moment ago about the doing a bit of stalking, Insta, website, have a look and follow, yes to all of that, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. But it's really important, I think, to go back to your first point, which is jump on a call because what I'm fielding at the moment is is lots of frustrations um, for clients that are coming to me with poor experiences with coaches because they're saying to me, I feel like we're dealing with two different people. I feel like there's one person that I'm seeing on the socials and, and out there in the world, but there's a different persona almost when I get on a call with them. That is if you can get on a call with them, some of them have got people in front of them that you can't actually get to talk to that coach. You've got to go through other people. That might suit some businesses and, and that's fine. If, if that suits, it's not my approach. It, I find it very off-putting. If I want to coach with Emma, I want to be able to have that chat with Emma. It's even worse when you're referred to a coach and you get in touch with the coach and go, hey, I've been referred to you by XYZ. Can we have a chat? Oh, sure. I'll put you in touch with my 2IC person to, to vet you. So that was the most off-putting. That's happened to me. Wow, that's happened to you. It did. I found it really off-putting, but it may work for their business structure and, and that's fine. Your point here though about get clear on what you want if you can. It's okay if you can't, but have the conversation. Find out 
what they're about, if they're going to be the right fit. And you do that in two stages, you're saying, check them out, do all your digging, but then have a call with them. You've got a gel. I like that. I like that a lot. It's about the ride. I've got this thing that says, if there's no fit, there's no point, right? Because if there's no fit between you and me, there's no point in us working together. But let's find that out earlier, early enough so that you go, yeah, no, thanks. It's not going to work. I can count on two hands how many people I've said no to because there's been no fit. And I acknowledge that and said to them, it feels like there's no fit. Is that feeling like that to you? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Here's a few other coaches' names. How do you know though? So if somebody's for the first time reaching out and they've done a bit of stalking and they've asked a friend and they think, oh, this one looks okay, and they reach out and they have a conversation, how do you know if it's perhaps it's just initial nerves, perhaps it's just that first tough conversation or is it really not a right fit? Well, I think it's language. I think it's use of language. It's it's either use of language or what they want out of the coaching relationship. So sometimes I get the vibe that they want me to do the work for them and that's not a coach, yeah? And so I'll, I'll ask them a number of questions around that and my clarity calls, they go for half an hour, 25 minutes is them talking about themselves. So I get a really deep understanding of what they want early on and I save the last five minutes for either any questions or for them to hear how they can work with me. And in those last five minutes, I basically go, here's what I've heard. Is this what you're looking for? And I repeat it back to them. And sometimes they'll go yes or no. And then I'll talk about here's why I don't think we're a good fit or here's why I think we're a good fit. And I'll help them with that because you can, I think you can get a sense. You know, you've had you've had a meeting with someone and you just, something's not sitting right. You know, your intuition's like, mm, don't do it. And because we're further along in our business, we have those choices, yeah? When you're first in business, and I say this all the time, year one, you say yes to everything and then you work out who you don't want to work with and who you do want to work with, right? But now I'm five years down the track. You're a few years down the track. Your listeners are a few years down the track. They have the ability to say, actually, no, you're not a good fit for me. It's empowering. Just because, and this is the message that I'd, I'd really like people to take away. One of the messages I'd like people to take away from this episode is just because you book in for a call with somebody doesn't mean you're obligated. And it's safe space. It's safe, totally safe, safe space. space. And that's important. The other thing I wanted to touch on here, and I think I'm going to do a separate episode on this alone, but not everybody wants to or has to build a million-dollar business. That's, that's okay. One particular client who's come to me and said to me, I really love this part of my work, but I'm going to have to let it go because I can't scale it to reach that million dollars. That's a bit sad. Wrong coach. She has a coach. Wrong coach, actually, if your passion is, is being extinguished. But there's a lot of talk in the industry and there's a lot of talk in the business space about that million-dollar business. And if you're striving for a million-dollar business, great, all the power to you. Seven million, ten million, fantastic. It's okay, though, if you don't want to do all the things that's going to build a million-dollar business for you. Totally okay. And a million-dollar business comes with a million dollars worth of expenses. It does. <laughs> doesn't it? It's not yeah, exactly right. It's not a million dollars profit. What I love about you, though, Emma, is that you respect the boundaries that people have around what they do want to do and what they don't want to do. And there's no hidden agenda with you. You're not on a mission to take people down a particular path. That's an important differentiation, I think, when you're working with a coach to understand what drives the coach and what drives you. Is it aligned? Yeah. And one of the questions we ask in our form so we uh, get people to fill out a questionnaire when they begin working with us is what does your coach need to what does Emma need to know about you 
how how you motivated. And I will also say, yes, we work to their results. Also, being coached is a, gro- is a growth thing, right? So sometimes it will feel uncomfortable, even if we're working to their own results, right? So even if they don't want to get to a million-dollar business, but they want to work 25 hours and they want to make half a million, it's still growth and it still hurts a little bit sometimes. A lot. So even if growth, yeah, growth even if is we're painful. Working, Yes, growth painful. It's the messy middle. It sucks sometimes, and sometimes it's great. It's like a roller coaster, right? Uh, and so, even if they don't want to do the million or the two million or the three million, if they want to do half a meal, it's still gonna. It's still gonna be growth, and it's still gonna be a wee bit painful. We try and make it as least painful as possible. Growth is uncomfortable, and I had this conversation with one of my biz besties yesterday, and it was. This is a really challenging time right now, but let's just look at through a different lens and say, well, this is growth, this is necessary and there's a light here and it is oh so worth it. But you're right, it's all relative. I just really wanted to share here that you don't have the agenda because I know that you don't because we've worked together for a while, I've known you for a long time and I, well, we share mutual clients. The feedback I get in relation to your coaching is um, supportive, capable, focused, driven, compassionate, like it's all of the things. Not all coaches have all of the things. And so therefore, I think it's really important when people are thinking about working with a coach to make sure that you give it some thought in advance and you don't jump in boots and all without actually thinking about it. That is a good segue into the why. Why do you need to make sure you're working with the right coach? Well, I have recently shared on my stories on Instagram something that's quite controversial and rather contentious and it's gotten so much engagement I was not anticipating that level of engagement when I posted it but coaches there are fabulous coaches and there are far less great coaches and I've got some new matters coming across my desk lately where people are signing up with coaches for one-on-one coaching now let me be clear I'm not talking about memberships I'm not talking about group programs that have got a structure over a 12-month period or anything like that. I'm not talking about that space where you give all your intellectual property and put someone on a payment plan. That is different. I'm talking about the one-on-one coaching and they're getting signed up for a fixed period, but the client then realizes, I don't like you. I don't feel comfortable with you. We're not aligned and I just don't want to work with you. It's not doing the things. And they approach the coach and say, this is just not working for me. Can I get out? And the coach says, no. This is what I'm dealing with. And the coach says, oh, we've got a contract. You've got contractual obligations. You either keep working with me. You've got to do the work. Or otherwise, if you want out and you need to pay out your contract, I'll have another another $11,000 from you. Thanks. And then you can go. No, this is not okay. I want to talk to you about this because it is so contentious and it's something that people struggle with. And I know there's some fear around resistance signing up with a coach because, oh, my gosh, they're going to have a contract and they won't let me out. What's your view on this? Well, this is an interesting one. I I get it. I understand why people have contracts for this reason, right? So that they commit and stuff. But as you know, Trace, our contracts, (laughs) Emma McLean, they're written in a way so that if someone, so I don't work with anyone for less than 12 months. I like the silver bullet thing. If they want a one-off session or a three-month session, it's probably not going to do as much as a 12-month. And I think it takes time. So we ask them to sign a 12-month contract. Having said that, in the contract, it stipulates if at any point you don't want to continue for whatever reason, just need to have a conversation with Emma McQueen because it needs to be honest and transparent and 
give I know, 30 days notice or whatever it is, and then you're out. When I first came to you and said this, that I wanted to do this, I have no idea whether that's how other coaches work or not, and I don't care. My main thing is if someone's not happy with the service that I, and the value that I'm giving, then the trust is already broken. Why would you put them through another however many months of coaching if the trust is broken, right? Because there's something that's happened that is not repairable. If I had someone that came to me and said, hey, this isn't working for me, we need to tweak this, we need to do that, that's awesome because you can save it. But if someone's at a point where I just can't work with you anymore, you make me feel like rubbish, you make me feel like crap, whatever it is, then you need to let them go. But now I've got it in black and white. I've always, that's how I've always worked, but now I've got it in black and white because I think that's safest for everyone. I suppose the flip side to that is that people could try before they, you know, before they really commit. And we want people that are committed and <clears throat> that are willing to invest in their 12 months with us. But I think it's super sad when a coach holds a client responsible for a contract, especially when they know they're not getting the results that the client needs. Yeah, and you have made a very interesting comment, which I think, again, is another light bulb moment for this episode, which is you as the coach have obligations too. You've got to work for your money. So this is the thing. Earlier you spoke about you see a coach on socials and they're all A, B, and C, and then they rock up on their Zoom or whatever and they're X, Y, and Z. They're a totally different person, right? And that sucks. How I see the contractual arrangement is a, a sales call with me is do – what, what's what's the problem? Can I help? Here's how we work together. Would you like to work together? It's as simple as that, right? But then my job as the coach is to provide the value and to make sure that the per- I don't just go, okay, well, that's done, but to actually make sure, okay, this person has signed up. They're investing a lot of time, effort, and cash with me. How can I make their experience the very best? I don't let myself off the hook after month one. You have to keep showing up just as much as they have to keep showing up. I think that's your responsibility as a coach. Otherwise, it's just lazy sales, man. And I think that's another point of difference, Emma. And this is why I I felt so drawn to this topic and why I wanted to have this conversation with you because what's happened in some of the matters that have come across my desk is the coach has basically ticked a box, signed you up, sat back and went, okay, I'm just going to roll the arm over now and run through some of this content that I've got with you. And people, it's not okay. This is the point. It's not okay. So I love your perspective on this, which is, one, of course, we want you to do the work. We want you to get the results. We want the commitment. Absolutely. Two, you've got to do the work, but we've got to do the work. As the coach, we've got to do the work. So it's incumbent on you to make sure you're getting in there and rolling your sleeves up and keep the momentum going, get on their level, work with them and and push through and help and support. But three, if it's not a right fit and someone comes to Emma McQueen after three months and says, Emma, I really don't like you. Emma, this is not working for me. Or worse, something really destructive has happened in my life and I just can't continue. You exercise the human element in business and you assess that on a case-by-case basis. This is what we would all like to see with all of the coaches, or in fact, with anybody we're doing business with, but the sad truth is it's not as common as it should be. And I wanted to shine a light on here today so people know if you've had a bad experience with a coach, that doesn't mean that they're all like that because, in fact, they're not. They're just not. And, and two, 
there's always, you've heard me say it so many times, there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's always going to be an exit strategy. So even if um, a coach comes back to you and says, no, here's my contract, you're bound by the terms, get some advice because I tell you. Yep, I said that exact same thing to one of my clients this morning. <laughs> get some advice and see what we can do. We've, we've got to try and resolve this for you. Where my, my view is that it really is bottom of the barrel stuff when a coach gets to the point Again, I'm talking one-on-one coaching here. I'm not talking if you've taken their intellectual property and you've accessed all their stuff and 12 months content and now you want to default on your payment plan. I'm not talking that. I'm talking one-on-one coaching. I really think it's scraping the bottom of the barrel when a coach threatens to sue a client for the balance of the money that they're owed because they signed a contract, even though the client has said to them, this is just really not what I expected and I'm so disappointed. This is a lot of money. I think that there's an elephant in the room, which I'm going to bring out because I think people would be wondering about this. There are so many coaches out there, so many coaches. And I've met a lot of coaches in my time. And there's coaches who, I'm going to be generic, but there are coaches who have been divorced and now they're divorced coach, divorced coaches. There's coaches that have been married and now they're marriage coaches. There's coaches that have done a $100 online course and now they're a coach. And there are coaches out there who are the real deal. And there's everything in between. And I think this presents a big problem. <laughs> yes, you have brought up the elephant in the room. So it's part of your, I call it due diligence. Clients laugh at me and say that's such a lawyer word. But it's its part of the work that you do or the digging around that you do, the asking around that you do before you sign up. If a coach is promising to deliver something for you and support you through something, have they got the goods to back it up? Can they do it? So, you know, it's like, well, we won't give examples, but you get what I mean. Um, yeah. I also think, though, Trace, that's depending on which coach you're dealing with, depends on the contractual arrangements. And sometimes coaches are coaches first and business people second. And sometimes business people are business people first and coaches second. And I think that kind of depends on what the contractual arrangements are and if they are doing that human being. Yeah. And, you know, and, I, and I'll wrap up now, but it's it's very much the human part. So there's two questions to it always. There's a legal question and a business question. And the legal question, sure, there's a contract you've signed it. In my view, that's short-sighted and I'm the lawyer. The business question is where the human element comes into it. And, and that is what's best for everybody involved. And you're right, coach first and business second or business first and coach second. I love that. That's a really great way to put it. This is fabulous. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with me on this. This is so good. And like I said, the timing's perfect because it's something that's just coming across my desk so often and yours too, in relation to someone that you've sent my way this morning, which is really interesting. So sad, but true, but there you have it. There's the, uh, there's the, short and sharp reality of what it's like to work with the right business coach, how to go about it, what to look out for. And you know what, when things go wrong, there's always a way out. And the, the point is to get some advice. Thank you so much. Thank you for shining a light on all the controversial oh. topics. I love it. <laughs> Let me come back if there's any more controversy. I love it. Oh, <laughs> and I will. And thank you for joining me. I just have loved this chat and it's so relevant and so on point. And I just know that there's people that are going to be listening to this. And the reason I know that is because they've already reached out to me on DMs on Instagram. There's people listening to this that either go, oh, my gosh, that happened to me. 
oh my gosh, that's horrific. I can't believe that would happen. Or three, I need to talk to you about a situation that I'm in. So it's very relevant. Thank you. We're going to pop all of your contact details in the show notes so that people can easily reach out and connect with you. And if they haven't, I suggest that they do because you're a wonderful wealth of knowledge and, and support and all sorts of great things. And it's it's beautiful to know you and even better to watch all of your goings on on socials because there's just so much value in there and just so many little nuggets of gold that we all benefit from from time to time. So thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Me. My absolute <laughs> pleasure. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I very much appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you liked the episode, please be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you found this episode to be of value for you in your business, I would be ever so grateful if you would take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, because that will help this podcast reach the ears of more business owners. If you haven't already, don't forget to jump over to my website and download your free copy of my annual legal checklist designed specifically for small business owners. And if you're ready to set your business up so you can get paid every time hassle-free, check out my course, Getting Paid Made Easy. You can access these resources on my website at tmsolicitor.com.au. Remember, in business, prevention is better than cure. I'll be back with another episode for you next week. Until then, take care.